listening to the ACB Advocacy Update. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of ACB Advocacy Update. This is Claire Stanley, the Advocacy and Outreach Specialist with the American Council of the Blind. And Clark Rockfall, Director of Advocacy and Governmental Affairs for ACB. Thanks to everyone who is listening, downloading, streaming, subscribing, and giving us reviews. Uh, I thought you were going to come up with a lot of gerunds there for a second. How many ING words can you come up with? Not enough, Claire. Not enough. Um, As I was saying, (laughs) yes, um, for everyone who is listening, streaming, downloading to your favorite podcast player, be sure to subscribe and write a review, as well as everyone streaming and listening over ACB Radio at acbradio.org. You can always find out more about the work going on at ACB on our website, acb.org, and now and through the end of the year. Thank you to Sprint T-Mobile for sponsoring the ACB podcasts. Great. Well, we have a lot to cover today, excitingly, so we'll just go ahead and jump right in. But I thought I would start today with a song, talking about my resolution, because that's what we're talking about today. We're talking about resolutions. Nobody clapped. I'm I'm offended. Um, this, anyway. <laughs> this is the 2020 ACB resolutions <laughs> recap. And we've got some great conversations coming up, first with co-chair of the Resolutions Committee, Gabe Griffith, then Claire and I will run through uh, and provide a quick summary and overview of the 2020 ACB Resolutions. And finally, we will speak with Ray Campbell about the uh, ACB Ad Hoc Task Force to provide recommendations for how to improve the resolutions process going forward. Awesome. Well, before we jump in and talk about the meet, uh, Gabe, can you introduce yourself in 30 seconds or less? Hi, my name is Gabe Griffith. I am, as Clark said a minute ago, the resolutions co-chair, along with Jill Noble, and uh, I'm from Concord, California. So thank you for having me on today. Yeah, thanks for having you on. Awesome. So resolutions. I think a lot of us have an idea of what they are. And we're going to be talking about, again, the ones passed this year in 2020. But for those who might not be as aware, can you just talk about what the resolutions process is, what the committee is, what the the goal is, that kind of thing? What are resolutions? Sure. So resolutions are, I've never really seen them defined somewhere. So my definition of a resolution is, it's the member's opportunity to help guide what ACB does for the year. Um, you know, we all talk about ACB being an advocacy organization. And so this is our chance to um, have input on basically what guides the work that ACB does, including yourselves. Um, I know a lot of them, you know, say that we direct our officers, directors, and staff. So, um, and the process is that the resolutions can come to us from individuals, they can come to us through committees, they can come to us through any of the state or special interest affiliates, and they're basically a series of paragraphs, if you will, or reasons that introduce an issue, and then the last part of it, the resolves, is 
the meat of the of the document, if you will, of of saying what what it is that we want to happen and how. So, and Dave, then, these uh, resolutions come from ACB members. What's the purpose of the resolutions committee? The resolutions committee takes these resolutions, helps to clean them up, helps to um, try to research some of the the issues. Maybe if it refers to a law, make sure that it's referring to the correct or the best law, maybe uh, the Americans with Disabilities Act or Title uh, 508, um, you know, the Rehab Act. So, you know, different things. Uh, make sure that it, it refers to the strongest statute and um, try to make the language as, as tight and strong as possible before it goes on to be voted on and adopted for the organization. So, Clark and I know very well, all too well, the process of participating in the resolutions um, committee during convention every year. But it looks very different this year because, like most things in 2020, COVID impacted it. Can you talk a little bit about how the resolutions committee looked different this year as a result of our convention going virtual and COVID messing everything up? Well, first of all, it, it kind of interfered with the three of us having our 2 a.m. treks across the street back to the other hotel. That is true. Uh, <laughs> uh, everything was different. As I, as I said earlier, it comes to the committee. The committee typically meets at convention, and as we just kind of said, usually late at night slash early into the morning. And so this year since we didn't have the opportunity to get together, we had to figure out what to do differently or how we could try to make this as close as possible. So we came up with the process of having folks be able to submit their resolutions like they more or less normally would. But then the committee met separately and kind of talked about the resolutions. And instead of us all sitting around a table in a room talking about them, we first split them up into groups to have a couple of committee members work on them, try to try to do the wordsmithing of tightening up the language, go back to the people or the organization or the, the affiliate committee, whatever, that submitted them. And, and in some cases, they changed pretty significantly from their form that they were submitted to us in until the final version that went to the board. And then... What we did is we had a series of uh, Zoom calls that we would have the committee give input on stuff, and then we would open it up to those folks that were on the on the call with us. Uh, we did webinars, and so we opened it up to ask anybody that was on there for their input, either on wording suggestions or uh, anything asking some of some of it we had questions asking what the relevance of this particular resolution was or some folks had suggestions on how to make it stronger so we tried to give as much of an opportunity for membership input since they were going to be going to the board and being adopted by the acb board rather than being adopted by the acb membership at a, a general session of our convention. Mm -hmm. Gabe, I think that's a great point. So traditionally, the resolutions committee meets in the evenings during the in-person conference and conventions. Why do they meet so late in the evenings? It's, well, there's always just so much else going on during the convention that we need to find a time that everyone's available. 
And those meetings are open to the public, to ACB members to sit in and weigh in on resolutions. So I really commend you all for bringing that same level of openness and transparency to the virtual resolution process by holding, I think it was three uh, Zoom meetings where we were able to discuss the changes, purpose, reasoning, logic uh, behind resolutions and any changes that had occurred and still maintain that transparency and let ACB members be a part of that resolution process. Um, Just curious, were there any resolutions this year that spoke to you personally or that uh, that you thought were particularly important or well-timed? Um, there were, were some several really good resolutions. I think there was one on education that especially with the, where everything is with distance learning right now, I think is important. Um, there were some dealing with technology, for instance, we had one on the United States postal service and, and the informed, uh, delivery that, uh, that app, parts of that app aren't accessible to be able to read your mail. Um, there were some on social justice. So the, there was a, a range of topics that were really good. Um, this year was my first year really kind of being the, the lead chair, if you will. So I had a little bit of a different perspective. I was focused more on the process rather than, I think, uh, really being impacted by any individual resolutions. Great. Well, thank you for the teaser of some of those resolutions that Clark and I will start to talk about very shortly. So uh, it was a a great, in my opinion, a great uh, list of resolutions this year. Yeah, I think it was. And Gabe, what makes for a good resolution? And what would you say to folks who are considering bringing a resolution forward? Just would you encourage people to submit resolutions? For sure. Uh, What really I think makes a good resolution is being passionate about the issue. You know, not just something like, oh, I heard about this, but (laughs) something that really affects your life, whether it's detectable warnings coming up to a curb, whether it's uh, an audible signal, whether it's your, your transit system. Um, anything can be a resolution. Um, access to your your prescriptions at your pharmacy. I know we have several agreements now, but you know there may be an individual pharmacy that that might not have stuff. So whatever it is, if it, I think just if it affects you in your life, then I think it's resolution worthy. All right, great. Thank you so much, Gabe. Um, and speaking of those resolutions, next up. Claire and I will summarize and recap the resolutions passed this year, 2020. Uh, And of course, you'll be able to find those along with resolutions from previous years on the ACB website at acb.org slash resolutions. So Gabe, once again, thank you and everyone stay tuned.
everybody. So that was an awesome opportunity to talk with Gabe Griffith about the just kind of the nuts and bolts of the whole resolution committee process, how things worked in 2020. Obviously, as we heard, they were a little different this year, um, but it's always a fun process to uh, to learn about how how we how we do things here at ECB and getting our resolutions through. So with that in mind, Clark. We passed several resolutions this year. Um, I think we should probably tell people what they are. What do you think? Oh, we did, Claire. We did indeed. At a uh, brief five-and-a-half-hour uh, ACB board meeting at the end of August, August 27th. Um, yeah, Slash the board. Eighth, depending on which time zone you were in. <laughs> uh, and streamed live on ACB radio so that all members um, could listen to the board meeting, uh, as well as the resolve clauses as read by none other than you, um, and hear the, the board's deliberations as they reviewed the resolutions. In real time, yeah, it was quite, quite the, right. the experience, yeah. So there were 13 resolutions um, that were submitted to the resolutions committee. And, Lucky number 13. You know, much like legis legislation, um, the resolutions were poured in, they were reviewed, massaged, uh, the gears were turning, the sausage machine was in full effect, uh, and then we spit out some resolutions. There were a couple that were withdrawn, uh, but the ones that remained, I don't know if I like thinking about our resolutions of sausages. I mean, this is the work we deal with every day. I don't know how I feel about them called sausages. Oh, it is very much a sausage-making <laughs> process. Um, you know, Gabe, Gabe just gave a glimpse of the deliberations and the wordsmithing um, and the, the pros that are debated back and forth during the committee process. And even virtually, these meetings are still going to the wee hours of the morning. And our next guest, uh, Ray Campbell, will share his thoughts on uh, the work that he and a working group will be doing to determine whether that's the best way that we should be doing it going forward. Yep. But I digress. We've got some resol resolutions to re uh, review here and recap here, Claire. We do. I want to sing the song, Talking About My Resolutions. Um, that's your entertainment for the day. So now we can jump into the resolutions that we passed. I can't unhear that. <laughs> You're welcome. Um, so let's right. start at the top. Yeah, so we've got these grouped. Um, they, as Gabe mentioned, resolutions, they are they're given a number. The number means nothing more than that is how they were, the order in which they were received. It is not a ranking. It's not a priority. It's just resolution one was the first resolution that they received and numbering needed to start somewhere. Uh, but we're not going to use those numbers. We're just going to group and talk with them by subject matters. So near and dear to the ACB family is rehabilitation issues. And we had a couple resolutions dealing with rehab issues this year, Claire. We did, and more specifically, kind of the theme I noticed behind um, two of these resolutions were services for people who are kind of going the non-traditional, what a lot of people refer to as non-vocational rehabilitation services, um, because we see that as an issue where people really do need services. They lose their vision later in life, or the circumstances look a little bit differently. 
and the way states have programs set up, you really have to be on a vocational track or you're not going to get the services you need or you're going to get far less services than you need. Um, and that's tough because if you lose your vision, you need to get the training for assistive technology and daily living skills. And so these resolutions really started to hone in on that issue for we need funding for these people to still get the training they need, even if they're not on the typical vocational, re, uh, excuse me, vocational track that, that the systems often look at. And as we know, the system is really set up and geared towards ensuring children and students with disabilities um, have the same opportunities and resources available to them to be successful and really set up to succeed uh, as a transition to university or careers post K through 12. Mm-hmm. However, as we all know, and we hear from our members and folks in the community, Um, There's a really large population and growing population of folks who lose their vision later in life, whether that's due to diabetic retinopathy and uh, and other medical conditions or age-related vision loss, macular degeneration, for example. So there's a lot of folks who are working-age adults and folks who are getting older, um, seniors as well, who lose their vision later in life and really what services are out there for those individuals. It's a lot to ask for someone who's been cited for 40 years of their lives and established in their career. Okay, you're losing your vision. Well, not only do you need to focus on getting or maintaining a job, but you also need to learn how to be blind all at the yeah. same time. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah, but it's it's really um you make such a good point and it's it's heartbreaking because we get calls in the ACB office all the time. I'd say almost on a daily basis for people who say, you know, I'm older and I've lost my vision. I don't think I can go on. And I want to tell them, you know, with the proper training to learn assistive technology, learn cooking and cleaning, daily living skills, uh, learning how to use a white cane, et cetera, you can be fully independent. But then what do we tell them? Oh, get services through your state. Oh, wait, your state's probably not going to pay for those services. Or if they will, it's extremely low amount of money. So there's definitely a great need there. Yes. And this resolution on non-vocational rehabilitation for people who are blind and visually impaired impaired excuse me it calls for ACB to work with our state affiliates um, to encourage more state funding for non-vocational services and supports this is ongoing work that ACB is doing and if I had a crystal ball I would see us doing this work well into the future Mm -hmm. Um, so we're always glad to have a resolution like this that reinforces the work that we're doing but also stresses to our affiliates in the broader community that this is a a priority and we're not letting up on this issue anytime soon exactly yeah another rehab focused resolution Uh, that ACB members are all too familiar with is the Older Individuals Who Are Blind program. Um, Again, for folks who have age-related vision loss, lose their vision later in life for whatever reason, um, it's really ensuring that there are independent living skills, technology training, um, O&M services available specifically related to blindness. I know a lot of our folks 
have had uh, not the best experiences for centers for independent living because they're focused on providing general support and advocacy services. Uh, but that doesn't always go far enough when you're dealing with a specific condition like vision loss. And this is so important because uh, we're seeing in the United States and around the world, but in the United States, especially people are living longer. Medicine has advanced where people are living longer, but with living longer, people are tending to lose their vision or related things like that. Macular degeneration, like Clark mentioned, is really rampant. So people are going to need this. And again, they shouldn't be, you know, destitute to a nursing home when they lose their vision um, just because they don't have the the access to OIB um, services. So we definitely want to make sure that people can get, again, things like O&M training, uh, assistive technology training, et cetera, et cetera. And the OIB program is housed within the Department of Education, the oversight from the Rehabilitation Services Administration. But there are other government programs um, and agencies that provide rehabilitation services. So the American Community Living, which is housed under the Department of Health and Human Services, as yeah, well as the Administration on Community Living. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Thank you. As mm-hmm. well as the Administration on Aging. Did, did you? I get that mm-hmm. one right, Claire? You did. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> so it's how, how can ACB work with our committees, um, such as the Rehabilitation Issues Task Force, uh, as well as our affiliates like the Alliance on Aging and Vision Loss. Yep, uh, led by Jack Tom. Yep. Yep, and Doug Powell, exactly. Mm -hmm. How can we uh, work with those entities to communicate to ACL and AOA uh, that our folks in the community are not being served and really raise the profile of this issue, as well as working with our broader state affiliates to encourage the public and private service providers within their states to, okay, here's what you're currently offering, here's what's working well, here's what's not, and here are some options that would better serve uh, our community as a whole. Exactly. And Claire, on this topic, the Rehab Issues Task Force, uh, again, led by Doug Powell, has been doing a great job drafting a white paper on rehab issues, really exploring both of these options and looking at uh, the rehab landscape holistically. Again, what's working, what's not, and how can we move forward from here? So that white paper was endorsed by the board at the meeting on August 27th, and it will be posted to the ACB website as well. Yeah, we encourage everybody to check that out. Doug Powell um, really was the the leading force behind that, and there was a lot of work and energy put into that, and um, it will be a great resource for people. So we definitely encourage people to check it out on our website. Claire, uh, real-time podcast idea. Maybe we should have Doug Powell come on to talk about the uh, oh, I like it. You guys heard All it right. here. <laughs> yeah, bookmark uh, wherever we are, you know, right. 30, 32 minutes into this podcast or whatever, that uh, whatever we just had a brainstorm. <laughs> Great. Well, shall we move on? Uh, we have so many resolutions. I know. We get, we're going to have to speed it up here. All right. Yeah. Note taking, Claire. Three, two, one, go. Note taking. Um, so we all know whether you were in elementary school or in grad school, you take a lot of notes in school. Um, but the way people take notes looks 
all different ways depending on your disability or re really even just your learning style. And so for people who are blind, note-taking can look like a myriad of things, but the, the main topic of this resolution, it does bring up other types of note-taking, but the big main one is using a recording device, your Victor Stream or whatever of the many, many, many different devices that are out there. Um, and so this resolution talks about having the right to record uh, any lectures or study groups that are going on so that people who are blind or visually impaired can use that assistive technology that works so well for them. Um, and this comes up because in a lot of settings, teachers, professionals um, don't want to be recorded um, for a whole myriad of different reasons. But under this resolution, uh, the drafters really want to advocate for that right, which makes complete sense. They want to use the assistive technology they use so well and so successfully and not be denied that right. So this resolution really advocates for the right to speak out to uh, the Department of Ed and different schools and those kinds of things to make sure that that assistive technology um, system is not denied or not, not prohibited. Yes, and although this deals specifically on uh, recording to take notes in the, the classroom or the lecture hall, it will certainly work with the special education committee uh, to further the goals of this resolution. Note-taking is just one aspect. We really want to make sure that folks have access to the tools and resources that they need to be successful in the classroom so that they may receive their free and appropriate public education in the least restrictive environment. This echoes the work that ACB and our broad coalition has been doing on the Cogswell-Macy Act, mm -hmm. ensuring that students have access to the expanded core curriculum. Um, and again, we'll, uh, another resolution, great resolution that touches on the need for education access. And we're certainly hearing more about that as schools are going remote into e-learning platforms. We want to make sure that folks have access to the information that they need to be successful. Education rights is something near and dear to my heart. I just hear stories all the time about, um, you know, access problems or students being denied the different tools, services, resources they need. So I'm excited that ACB is continuing to, to bring up issues that will help to accommodate students, whether in uh, regular ed, special ed, K-12, uh, you know, secondary school, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So... And on the subject of education, you can't have education without reading. And two of our resolutions touch on um, services and resources uh, provided for uh, reading as well as Braille literacy. So one deals with the fact that the American Publishing House for the Blind, APH, is no longer providing a Braille version of Reader's Digest. And we'll work with the Braille Revival League, as well as Library Users of America, uh, to send a request to NLS, the National Library Service, uh, and request that they start uh, embossing and publishing a Braille version of Reader's Digest, mm -hmm. as well as um, a, a good news story, uh, ACB BPI um, Blind Pride International Success Story. So BPI started working with... Um, NLS prior to the ACB convention mm -hmm. requesting that titles and categories be supplied as well as tagged as, uh, you know, related to the LGBTQ community. 
Um, and due to their advocacy, these titles were actually added uh, either during or just after, uh, or these categories were added either during or just after the ACB conference. So we have a resolution here uh, really championed by the Blind Pride International Affiliate saying thank you to NLS for adding these categories and titles to the NLS service and pledging the work of ACB and BPI to expand uh, upon the work that's already been done, adding more subcategories so that for folks can search for really what they're looking for, as well as adding more titles to fill out those categories. How great is that, that we can have a resolution where we're thanking people? I like that. Because so, so often it's like, oh, all these glue glum things that we have to deal with, which are so important. But it's very nice to be able to thank somebody. I like it. <laughs> Absolutely. Great. Um, well, shall we mosey on down the list? What do we got next, Clark? Next, we've got... Uh... USPS, the U.S. Postal Service. Postal Service. <laughs> a, uh, a name that makes all of us uh, smile right now in, in light of everything going There's on. There's plenty going on with the Postal yeah. Service at the moment. Uh, before we jump into this resolution, I just want to say another thank you. Um, so prior to the convention, the ACB and the Information Access Committee reached out to the United States Postal Service informing them of accessibility issues with the click and ship feature on the USPS website. Um, that letter was received, and within a month, USPS had re restored the accessibility to the click and ship um, kind of text and edit boxes on the website. So people who are blind could independently use that feature. Um, they could request postage, enter the size and weight dimensions of their parcel, um, and print out the labels and use that feature to ship packages from home. So thank you to the United States Postal Service for uh, really promptly addressing that accessibility barrier. And we've got one more for you. I was going to say, so hopefully this next issue will come at them and get promptly addressed as well. Fingers and toes crossed. So um, this issue was brought up by several of our members because there is a service through USPS that I personally wasn't aware of. Um, but you can get um, notified about what mail is coming to you before you even get it. They take a snapshot of the mail that's coming so you can have a advanced notice about what's coming. It can help you do things like decide, um, you know, if you want to postpone your mail, that kind of thing. But because they take snapshots of the, the mail that's coming, it's inaccessible. And so we're advocating for a way for people to be able to um, get that information in an accessible format so that people can go online, check what mail is coming at them, that kind of thing, and be able to access those resources just like everybody else through the U.S. Postal Service. Yeah, I, I would probably get pretty depressed if I use that service because yeah. it would just be bill, 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 yeah. spam, bill, spam, bill, bill, yeah. But for our Although I do have a birthday coming up, stuff. so yeah, maybe oh, that's that before a, my is, birthday. I, I mean, in case you want to send me a card, Claire. I was gonna, is that a not so subtle little hint there? Yeah. All I'm saying is if you send me a card, I'd be able to test whether the informed delivery option was working. I, okay. Okay. 
our work in practice in real life practice (laughs) (laughs) yeah so acb we will again work with the information access committee uh, to bring this issue to the attention of usps and we hope that they address it as quickly as they did the the click and ship functionality yep all right claire moving on to our next um, digital information access resolution yeah so the next topic um, is something that's always near and dear to my heart because we are living in a world of digital access everything now is digital i mean it even kind of just ties back to what we were talking about getting your mail in a digital format um all of us know oh so well too well probably that because so many things are going digital um, accessibility is not always built into the fabric of that digital information and so we're constantly fighting to make sure that when things are produced digitally they are built with technology in mind so this resolution really um looks into that issue that when we're developing digital content that accessibility is something that is taken into account and built into the fabric of the product so that we're not constantly having to you know fight over and over and over again to make sure that websites or apps or things of those nature are accessible for those of us who use screen reading software and we certainly appreciate that with all the work that ecb does uh, whether that's through the regulatory process, Mm -hmm. through legislation, uh, structured negotiation, and litigation, we fully understand that this is an issue of great concern for our members in the broader community. Uh, So we understand that this resolution, I believe the word they used was redouble, or maybe that that came out in the editing process. But either way, the point is clear. Uh, Our members know ACB that this is a focus, Uh, but they want it to be even more of a focus. And we hear you loud and clear. Very much so. We live it every day personally, so we get it. It's it's a real issue. And we have great uh, committees and task forces that are able to help us as well as affiliates. Um, The the BITS affiliate as well as the Information Access Committee are great champions of work in this arena. Yep. Yep. So speaking of technology, moving on to another resolution, technology can be used in all kinds of different ways these days. You know, it's 2020. Tech does just about everything. I think one day technology will be pouring my cereal into a cereal bowl one day. It's really going that way. But in one area that we're seeing technology utilized is in the transit realm. Do you want to talk about the transit-related technology resolution? Sure. Wow, Claire's let me into her transportation wheelhouse. This I know, I know. So this resolution is calling for ACB to work with our affiliates uh, to to really drive forward. Oh, I'm oh, stealing Claire's bad there. pun as well. Uh, information access, both high-tech and low-tech information mm-hmm. access solutions for government services, uh, areas of public accommodation, as well as transit systems. I'm sure we've all had that experience. You're heading to the bus stop and they have a sign showing the times um, or a digital display showing when the bus will arrive. But is that information accessible? What would it take to make that information accessible? Or you're heading into a, a train system. How do you know where your platforms are if it's a station that you don't frequent? 
wouldn't it be great if there is technology or even accessible maps that they had available? And certainly some systems do, some are better than others, but this is something that needs to be ubiquitous across the board. And again, really talking about the high tech all the way down to the, I don't want to call it low tech because that makes it sound not important, but you know, the most basic forms of braille and large print and those kinds of things all the way up to services like Ira or Be My Eyes and wayfinding um, software and things like that. So um, any and all forms of information that we can have, <laughs> no pun intended, right at our fingertips to, um, to help us get around different transit systems and be successful in getting from point A to point B. Yes, and we want to make sure that folks like old man Eric Bridges, you know, carrying <laughs> his, his abacus, um, are able to navigate successfully uh, using a, a tablet and chisel uh, and a paper map through a train station or to the bus stop. But then also the young and hip kids like Claire and Tony Stevens that they have apps on their on their smartphones. Uh, you know, they might be using virtual remote assistance from Be My Eyes or Ira, or they're using a service like Access Explorer or WayMap um, that is uses the international indoor uh, navigation and wayfinding standards. So, but yeah. I, I know we said we said it before. We say it a lot. Um, you know, we're not picky. We just want we just want everything. Exactly. And yeah. I'm just going to take this moment to say, Eric, he said it, not me. <laughs> and I'll say it again. <laughs> <laughs> Great. So those are kind of the, the chunk of technology-related resolutions, um, which obviously there are several of because technology is such a huge asset to the blind community. Um, but we can move on kind of to um, – Another section of resolutions that came through a committee this year and were voted on and passed that I am really personally excited about um, that kind of fit in the social justice or racial justice realm. Um, some really great acknowledgement of what we're seeing in our country today um, and taking taking a stance and making making things happen. I'm really excited to see that ACB members care about these issues and want to see things done and to talk about the, the intersection that goes on with the blind and visually impaired community. So, Clark, what's the first one that we want to talk about? Yeah, so the first one talks about equity in policing, and certainly <laughs> this is a hot topic um, and in the news quite a bit. Um, it's, it's great to see it receiving so much attention. Um, it's also uh, a little depressing that it's in the For news sure. so much and that, that it has to receive so much attention. Um, but as, as we focus on uh, how police attack, how you know our police officers who you know want to serve and protect our community, um, we need to make sure that their training is reflective of that goal, as well as that they receive training on de-escalation and how to interact with people with disabilities. You know, we, we've certainly heard stories of. Um, folks with a folded up cane accused of carrying nunchucks um, or in the advocacy work that we do hearing about um, folks who are deaf or hard of hearing and uh, potentially even folks who are deaf blind um, being accused and treated more severely because they're resisting arrest. Um, mm -hmm. 
well, they couldn't hear you. So uh, this resolution is calling for ACB to work with our state affiliates um, to really encourage training for uh, police officers and public safety officials about interacting with the blind and disabled communities, as well as tracking statistics. So we know how frequently these individuals have interactions with police, how they're treated, uh, and so forth. Yeah, uh, something so important. The, the statistics part jumped out at me because we just don't have numbers. We have anecdotal stories, but it'll be very, uh, very helpful as we move forward with work in our country that we can find out kind of what's happening and how often it's happening and what it looks like. So, um, I mean, I hate to stay excited because that seems like the wrong word in such a somber situation, but I am excited to see what, what will come of this and the impact it'll make. Yeah, and it, by no means is this a, a quick fix. This will be a uh, long-term effort by all of us, uh, but it, it's really important that we you know, recognize this as an issue and take those, those first steps. Uh, this also dovetails nicely into our, uh, one of our last resolutions here on racial justice. Mm -hmm. uh, speaking of uh, you know, taking a look and statistics, this resolution is calling upon ACB to encourage the recruitment and mentorship of uh, ACB members and leaders at all levels um, that really match the broader community as a whole. So really recruiting um, diverse membership, making leadership inclusive of all uh, members and diverse backgrounds of ACB um, but to do that, we actually had a, an amendment added to this resolution. You know, it's hard to know where you're going if you don't know where you're starting. Uh, so I'd say stay tuned. In the, the next couple months, we will have the first ever ACB census. And if one was done in 1973, pardon me, um, this is the first modern ACB census that will take place uh, because we, we want to know where we stand and we want to know um, really where that, that starting line is um, so yeah. that we know how far uh, we need to go, but also each year we're able to track our progress as we make our organization uh, more diverse and more inclusive of all people who are blind, low vision um, or friends and family of people mm -hmm. who are blind and low vision. Another exciting component of this resolution is work that'll be done behind the scenes, but then brought to us at our leadership conference this coming winter. Um, the those who are part of um, making this resolution happen are going to um, take some information down of what they've learned and what they want to see happen, stuff based on the census and present to um, all of those who come to the leadership conference and probably everybody because we usually stream it um, to talk more about these issues about promoting diversity and really recognizing the need for um, racial diversity and things of those nature. So um, it's something that's going to be seen visibly by all of ACB and be talked about. You know, it's not just a, a one-time resolution. No, it's something we're going to be actively talking about with all of the members of ACB and working on and finding ways to promote uh, racial and ethnic diversity. So I'm excited to see um, what that presentation looks like come this winter. I know I'm going to learn a lot from it. I can already tell. So, All right, Claire, well, there you have it. Those are all of the resolutions that were 
passed by the ACB Board of Directors this year, 2020. Uh, if you want to read these resolutions for yourself or learn more about resolutions passed in previous years by ACB, you can always visit acb.org slash resolutions. And once these 2020 resolutions are edited, uh, made to look pretty, we will get them on the website as soon as possible. Who knows? They might even be up by the time this, uh, this podcast airs. Uh, but yep. We now have to quickly transition. Uh, we'll take a quick break. Everyone, you know, get a drink, go to the bathroom, um, go to the, the little puppy patch, and we'll be right back <laughs> with Ray Campbell. Wait, wait. Eight. I have to say it one more time. Talking about my resolutions. Okay. <laughs> if this podcast goes long, Claire, it's on you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, folks. Stay tuned, and we will be right back with ACB's second vice president, Ray Campbell, to talk about the uh, Resolutions Modernization Working Group. The American Council of the Blind plays an important role in the daily lives of blind and visually impaired individuals all over the country. Whether it's making products and services more accessible for the blind, advocating for appropriate education for blind students, issuing scholarships to deserving college students, fighting for accessible currency, along with a host of other issues, it takes contributions from all of us. You can help by joining the monthly monetary support program, MMS. It's a great opportunity for members and friends to make sure these efforts continue. What ACB does enhances all of our lives. For more information, go to our website, acb.org, click on the donations link, go to the MMS tab, and enter. Or call 612-332-3242. Great. Well, we are back with our second guest to finish up the podcast this week. Really excited to have our second vice president, Ray Campbell, here with us, who is leading up our ad hoc task force on kind of the the new evolution of what the resolution committee is going to look like. So, Ray, do you want to briefly introduce yourself and uh, tell us where you're from? 30 seconds or less, just introduce yourself. Be it further resolved that I am Ray Campbell, uh, second vice president of ACB from uh, Glenellan, Illinois. And for those of you who don't know where that is, it's a suburb of a west suburb of Chicago. Great. Well, we're very excited to have you. So, um, like I said, you are the chair of the ad hoc task force on the resolutions committee. What does that even mean? <laughs> okay. Okay. Well, let me take folks back. Uh, so, 2019. Uh, there was a resolution that was referred to the Board of Directors to take a look at the resolutions process as a whole, how we go about you know, com- coming up with resolutions, uh, you know, getting them out there. Resolutions are hugely important because they really are a policy statement from the whole membership about issue A or issue B or whatever it is. And um, I think what the maker of that resolution, which was referred, is, is kind of looking at is the whole overall process, making sure that there's um, – that there's, uh, the, you know, it's clear what's, you know, going to be expected. It's clear what, uh, you know, goes into uh, a resolution and uh, um, that there's some transparency as, you know, what, what comes out the other end and what happens to resolutions. I think that was kind of the overall scope of that, uh, of that. So 
that's that's where it comes from. Is uh, we wanted to take a look at reform. Reform maybe a little strong word, but take a look at the process, see where we can make some improvements, and uh, make it a better process for ACB. Does that mean that we're not going to have to stay up till two in the morning at a convention every summer? That's my hope. <laughs> That's one of my <laughs> hopes. Um, there really are now. I have. There's about three objectives that I have. Um, obviously, other things can be put on the table. Um, so, first of all, uh, the kind of the main three objectives. I want to see the process start a little earlier mm-hmm. um, because I, I think it can. And uh, I think it needs to. So we typically, I'm, I'm not going to take a lot of time to explain this because we don't have a lot of time. So typically what happens is people come to convention, they bring up resolutions. Uh, the resolutions committee works very hard at wordsmithing them and getting them into the right uh, form, making sure all the legal uh, stuff is in there if that needs to be there. And, um, and then, you know, putting them forward and staying up till two in the morning doing it. <laughs> so um, I, I think there are times that we can start a little earlier. We can't start much earlier, though, because resolutions typically deal with kind of issues of our time. Uh, and so mm-hmm. uh, that's, that's, that needs to be preserved. And there always will be stuff that comes up at convention that needs, needs, to, have, uh, needs to be dealt with uh, in resolution form. So that's one of my objectives to start earlier. My second objective is to uh, make it as easy on the resolutions committee as possible uh, to do their work um, and also be a little more transparent about resolutions. I mean, the first time a member hears a resolution should not be when it's read on the floor. I'd like to see them publicized a little bit, like we do with Constitution and Bylaws Amendments, where you can actually pick up a copy and you can actually read through um, I can just, even though I can't see, I can just picture the eyes rolling on the floor when <laughs> we're going through these whereases with all of this background material. Necessary in a lot of cases, but 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 I don't think we, people really understand it as much as, as as they should. And so, try to help to improve that a little bit. And then third, look at what happens after a resolution is passed. Um, looking at pro- how better ways to prioritize them so that. We give you guys in the office and those of us on the, in leadership and a, a clear direction on what needs to happen with resolutions. Some things need to be taken care of right away, but some don't. And so uh, some take a little longer with research and all that. So uh, those are kind of my three overarching uh, goals. And we'll just see what the group says. We've got a really great group of people going to work on this, and uh, they're going to come up with a lot of great ideas. So uh, should be should be fun. Ray, speaking of resolutions, uh, reflecting our times, here in 2020, were there any resolutions that really jumped out at you or spoke to you personally that were passed by the board? Um, The one that really spoke to me personally, the two that really spoke to me personally, I should say, is the one on uh, talking about equity and policing um, and and the, the one about racial justice. I think those two really spoke to and showed that ACB is, you know, truly in touch with what people are talking about. And, uh, you know, we, we as blind people are a microcosm of society and they really talk to, talk to me about uh, that. We understand that, that point and that we as an organization of the blind have tremendous amount of responsibility to, 
to lead, you know, to show that as part of the country and to lead uh, uh, in, in these kinds of areas. Um, I think um, so those two really spoke to me. Uh, I'm trying to think if there was any others that did. Um, a lot of the other ones were about, you know, kind of current issues and um, really uh, I think a lot of some of the other ones were good too because they kind of set us up as a, on a platform for as we move into the future with a new Congress uh, perhaps and maybe a new president uh, and, and that. So, um, uh, but no, those two really spoke to me. And Ray, on the subject of racial justice, uh, diversity and inclusion, it's one thing that put the words out there or say it, um, but it's another thing to make that actions match your words. Um, and I think that President Spoon and you leading this ad hoc task force, um, I think you guys are doing that. It's a pretty good group, a diverse membership that reflects different genders, races, and ages um, yeah. among ACB members, as well as folks who have uh, decades worth of experience in the resolutions process, as well as those who are new to resolutions. Uh, what are your thoughts on the makeup of the task force? Well, that's intentional. Um, we've got a lot of great talent in ACB, and it comes in all shapes and sizes and colors and genders and that. And we need to make sure we're taking advantage of that. And uh, I think, I think if we're going to, I think you're exactly absolutely right, Clark. If we're going to talk the talk, we've got to walk the walk. And mm. that was something that Dan and I talked about, and uh, we both feel very strongly that we need to be as intentional as possible uh, about, um, you know, reflecting the, the diversity of our organization in these, these, kinds of, uh, these kinds of efforts, while at the same time bringing in the experienced people who, can, who do have um, uh, a, a lot to offer in terms of uh, uh, resolutions. I think if you look at this, this task force, as you said, there's uh, quite a bit of diversity there, but yet we've got the experienced people like the Jeff Toms of the world who, 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 who've been around resolutions, like the Mark Reichert, who, who chaired resolutions. Uh, and, and, you know, that, well, at the same time, you know, bringing in the people like the Maria Kristich, who are very young and, very, and have some ideas. It's, it really, this really should come out really with a great mix of, of ideas and, and thoughts, I think. Well, I know I'm excited to see what comes of it. I think it's going to be a uh, an exciting project for us to endeavor, and I think I can only imagine the outcome is going to be really positive. So, thank you so much for leading us in this this, this area. No, no problem. And what I hope ultimately comes out of it, the ultimate goal for me is that members. I mean, it's so powerful, isn't it? That um, that one member can submit something. Mm. that really can become a policy statement for ACB. That is just so powerful. And I want more members to feel like, hey, I can actually submit to this process and maybe not be intimidated and, and uh, uh, you know, feel like, hey, my ideas are, are valuable, my ideas are going to be considered, and uh, that they can take part. Well, I think that is a beautiful and awesome note to end our podcast on today. So thank you so Almost much, Almost, Claire. Uh, oh. Ray. <laughs> No, yes. we're not done yet. Um, so we've got this ad hoc task force, and you'll all be uh, ho holding meetings and moving this process forward. But when will ECB members, um, what's the next steps for them? What, when will they next hear about the progress that this task force has made? 
Well, we're, we're, we're getting ready to have our first meeting. So uh, my goals, um, and, and you know, I want to run it by the, the committee, of course, my thoughts are to that we want to have something that we can present to the board at the fall board meeting. That means we've got about two months or so of work to do. It's my hope that even before we present to the board that we can at least have one community call where we can talk about what we're doing and uh, get input from uh, the general membership before presenting to the board. And then ultimately, um, once it's approved by the board, come back, share what we've uh, come up with on a community call as well as during the virtual uh, mid-year leadership conference. I like it. And I think President Spoon would be proud. That sounds like a a good, smart goal here. Uh, Two-month timeline, at least one community event, and recommendations by the fall board meeting. Yep, yep. It's it's aggressive, but uh, uh, be it further resolved that we will do our best to get there. And I second that motion. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Recommend to do pass on that one. <laughs> Great. Well, thank you for your resolution humor. We always appreciate that. And thank you so much for uh, just speaking with us today. We really no, appreciate it. Not a, prob- not a problem. Uh, always glad to do it anytime. And uh, uh, just glad that I could. Uh, I'm glad that uh, President Spoon has placed the confidence in me to uh, uh, me and Mark Reichert to lead this effort. So. Mm, yeah. And once again, folks, if you want to learn more about ACB resolutions, please visit acb.org slash resolutions. You'll be able to read the resolutions from 2020 as well as previous years. And as Ray said, stay tuned and look forward to a resolutions-related community event coming Mm -hmm. up in the next few months. Well, we hope everybody enjoyed the podcast today. I know we had some great speakers. Thanks so much for listening. Um, As always, if you have any issues, please feel free to email us at advocacy at acb.org. We definitely want to hear from you guys and know what's going on. We always get some great input to really know what's going on around the country. And we usually end by saying keep advocating, but I feel like we should end by saying keep resolving. Thanks for listening to the ACB Advocacy Update. You can reach us by emailing advocacy at acb.org. The ACB Advocacy Update is a production of the American Council of the Blind in Alexandria, Virginia. To learn more about ACB, visit us online at www.acb.org.